Good morning, everybody. Oop. Good morning. Okay, that's, that's, that's better. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Bernard, uh, and I'm one of the members uh, at uh, Watermark. Um, I'm not on the staff, so you are unfortunately having amateur night, uh, uh, attending amateur night. What we're going to talk about today, though, is we're rounding out, we've, we've been going through for the last month, we're rounding out a series on the Holy Spirit. Okay, and today we're going to talk about the empowering Holy Spirit. Okay, um, so what does it mean to be filled, and what does it mean to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? Okay, so we're going to look at this topic. <coughs> we're going to tackle it under three headings: um, the need for the Holy Spirit in 2017. Right? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? The signs of what a spirit-filled life looks like in 2017, and how, the last is the application, how can you be filled with the Holy Spirit? Okay, so let's start with, this, with the beginning, the need for the Holy Spirit in 2017. Why do we even need the Holy Spirit in 2017, right? We can meet everybody we want on Facebook and LinkedIn, right? We can get all our answers that we ever want to ask on Google, and we can buy anything we want on Amazon or Taobao right? So why do we need the Holy Spirit? At no time in history are we more connected to one another through messaging apps like WhatsApp and WeChat and Snapchat, right? Last, just three days ago on Friday in the New York Times, um, uh, David Brooks, one of the uh, journalists in the New York Times, had an article called Just How Evil Is Tech? Okay, just how evil is tech? By the way, I'm in the technology industry, so this could be a little uh, contrarian uh, w w when you listen to me. But he said in it, we have more control over our social interactions, but it leads to thinner interactions. Okay, technology. We have more control over our social interaction, but it leads to thinner interactions. And he gave some scary statistics, and I, I want to share those with you. Um, he said, a study shows that 13-year-olds who spend 10 hours plus a week, a week, okay, not a day, 10 hours plus a week on social media increase the risk of depression by 27%. Okay, 10 hours is actually not that much a week on social media. This is for 13-year-olds. Teens who spend three or more hours a day on electronic devices, smartphones, you know, tablets, are 35% more likely to have risk of suicide, like making plans on how to do it. Girls especially are hard hit and have experienced a 50% increase in depression symptoms since, since the advent of mobile technology. These statistics showing, is, is showing us one thing, that you know what, technology is not the solution to loneliness, but on the contrary, it's actually, it amplifies our loneliness. Okay? So on the knowledge front, and I talked about, you know, we can get all our answers from Google, right? I mean... Well, there's probably one of you out there using Bing, or, yeah, so using Yahoo, diehards. But most of us are probably Google people. Um, so you can get everything you want to know on Google, and then if you want to know a little bit more on Wikipedia, and if you're challenging, you know, you, you, you're reading challenge, you probably use YouTube, right? Um, but are we better informed? Uh, you know, uh, as, as a society, as a group, as an individual, are we better informed? Are we more educated? Or are we just more confused? 
Uh, and and is, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of talk recently that tech is actually emphasizing our bias. And there's a lot of talk about this echo chamber effect. You know, you only Google the things that agree with you. So I think one of the key, th the, other, the, the other thing that's just come up recently is, is what is fake and what is real, right? I mean, you saw in the US elections, you know, there's a lot of talk about fake news and all that. And, and I'll just spend a little bit of talk about that. But you know, Paul, funny enough, uh, Paul, writing to the Ephesians, had some advice for us. Okay? Now, the city of Ephesus in, in the first century is actually not that different to Hong Kong. It was a kind of a commer commerce hub for the Roman Empire. It was a trading center. Not so different to Hong Kong being, you know, a commerce and trading center for China, right? So the Christians at Ephesus was also being overwhelmed by their, the demands on their modern world, their first century modern world, right? So what, 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 and, and they too wanted to find a way to get back a bit of control into their lives. They feel like they're, they're you know, so Ephesians are feeling like, you know what, my life is kind of spinning out of control, and, 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 and Paul's, Paul's writing a letter to say, hey, here's a way you get a bit of control into your life, okay? And what he said is, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but to be filled by the Spirit. So Paul's advice to the Ephesians on how to cope with the challenges they have in their lives is to be filled with the Spirit. And he, he, and he explains what does filling of the Spirit mean by contrasting it with, uh, with the experience of being drunk on wine, okay? I know none of you have ever been drunk in your life. None of you have had one too many, so you just got to stick with me and think through this in a purely theoretical sense, okay? Because experientially, you, it is all foreign to you, okay? So what he said is, you know, one, one of the reasons people drink a bit too much, is they're having challenges in their lives, okay? If you're having challenges, you've got a horrible boss and you've got a horrible lecturer or something like that, uh, uh, well, maybe not, you know. You, 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 you want to, like, have extra beer. Why? Because you want to kind of forget about the challenges that you're facing, right? So what alcohol does physiologically is, is it, it's a depressant, okay? It kind of lowers... it. it, it, it lowers the tempo in your life, it, it reduces your ability to tell what is real and what is not, okay? It lowers your inhibitions. So, you know, people who are drunk love, uh, believe that they all should be on America's Got Talent, right? They love to sing and, you know, and, and, and they have this perception that they can do anything they want, like jump, you know, a thousand, you know, jump up a building like Superman. And you, you see when people are drunk, they are they're very uh, bold, okay? Uh, but they have no perception of what is real and their own abilities. So, but the opposite of that is spirit-filled, Paul said. So what a spirit-filled gives you? Being spirit-filled, what, what Paul is saying is it gives you clarity. It gives you a higher perception of reality. And it enhances your control, okay? So, what it, what it means to be spirit-filled is you see more of reality, okay? Not just the reality before your eyes, okay? I'm a little bit older than a lot of you. So one thing you learn as you get older is reality is not just what is before your eyes, but the context of what is happening 
Okay, the context of what is happening. So context is as important to tell what is reality than exactly just what you see. So I'll talk a little bit more about that. And then to get, you have more control over your life. I don't know, can I ask a show of hands, who has more to do? Wait, I have a, I have a problem finishing off my to-do list, okay? Both at work and at home. I, by the end of the day, I always have things left in my to-do list. Can I just have a show of hands? Who has a problem? Who has more to do in a day than they can get done? Anybody? Okay, that's pretty, pretty good, right? I mean, that's, it's a common problem. We all have more to do in a day than we have time to do. Here's the problem. If you believe God, it's all-loving, all-powerful, and all-knowing God, he would not give you more things to do in a day than you can do. Agree with that? If God is all-powerful, so he can control everything, all-knowing and all-loving, he would not give you more to do in a day than you can get done. He would not set you up to fail, in other words, right? Because he's all-loving. So this, I'm just, this, just logic here, okay? So, but the fact is, <coughs> all of us have more to do in a day than we can deal with. So what does that mean? So, Logically speaking, what it's saying is there are things that we are trying to do and we're striving for in a day that God did not put in our day and are not good for us. But we are working really hard to try to get those things done and it's causing stress in all our lives. Okay? Wouldn't you like the wisdom and the discernment to tell the difference of what are the things that are good for you that God wants you to do and what are the things that are just urgent but not important? You know, we've got to separate the urgent but not important. So what Paul is saying to the Ephesians is, guys, I've got some advice for you. The key to discerning what is the difference between urgent and important is actually to be spirit-filled. Now, all of us feel overwhelmed. I don't know. I'm feeling more overwhelmed this year than I did last year than I did the year before that. And there's a, um, there was a really good book early on this year uh, written by uh, another New York Times journalist, Thomas Freeman. Okay, Thomas Freeman, uh, long-time New York Times journalist, writes about big issues. And, and, and the book is called Thank You for Being Late. Okay? And the whole reason for... It's a strange name. Thank you for being late. Why is it called Thank You for Being Late? Well, the third song we just sang before said, God is in the waiting. You know, if, if I had a postscript to that book, it would be, thank you for being late, God is in the waiting. We all need, to, what, what he's arguing is we need to take some time to push pause on our lives and hear, what, and hear the voice in our waiting. Now, he's not a Christian writer. So what he's saying is, the reason why we're all so frazzled is the rate of change caused by three things. Technology, globalization, and environmental impact is accelerating, okay, exponentially, the changes in our lives, to the point that this is the first time in human history that the change that we're experiencing, it's outpacing our ability to adapt to the change, okay? So the change that is happening around us caused by globalization, technology, and environmental changes is outpacing our ability, our human ability to adapt to the change. So that's why we are frazzled. 
This kind of change kind of happened, started to happen, he argued, in the 70s. Okay? Now, in the 80s and 90s, we had our solution to adapting to change was this concept of time management. There were all sorts of, you know, some of you are nodding your head, some of you are like, I wasn't even born yet. Anyway, um, there were all sorts of companies that sprung up that, gave, that made all these specialized patented diaries, you know, like, uh, like Franklin Covey and Philofax, and you pay hundreds of dollars for these diaries for a very specialized patented process of how to do your to-do list better and how do you check off your to-do list. So our, our solution in the 80s and 90s to this faster pace of change was to write better to-do lists. That didn't really work, okay? So in the, in the late 90s, technology started creeping in. And companies like, you know, uh, Palm, Palm Pilot, you know, most of you are like, what's Palm Pilot? Okay? And Blackberry, you know, most, some of you may have heard of Blackberry, but, uh, you know, what uh, was kind of created in the late 90s, um, and, and that was meant to solve world problems, okay? Um, I can see a lot of blank faces out there, especially when I mentioned Palm Pilot. Half of you don't know what it is. The other half is nodding. It's like having flashbacks of holding your palm trio and listening to Britney Spears, you know, oops, I did it again. Um, but that's the error, okay? But anyway, they're kind of like early poor versions of iPhone, if you can imagine that. 2007, Steve Jobs made the iPhone, right? And then he said, this is a revolutionary device that's going to change everything. I think he was right, okay? But it's actually changed a lot of things he didn't intend to change. So, so, and we also, at that same time, we had the advent of cloud computing, okay? I won't go too techy into this, but the fact is social media was birthed from cloud computing, okay? So 2007, this is my life in 2007. Well, you know, does it? look like a little bit of your life as well. Social media, okay, was meant to help us connect. Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and, and later Snapchat, was help to connect with one another. But the, the problem is, as David Brooks said, it created thinner relationships, okay? He said online, it's great, it's a great place for human contact, but not intimacy. Online, it's a great place for information, but not reflection, okay? So, you know, you can't, most of our messaging, we, we, we may be messaging tens of people, I don't know, some of you may be messaging hundreds of people per day, but you're not having deep relationships. I mean, how deep can your relationship be if there's no words but just emoji or selfies with dog filters, okay? So I, I'm not giving you a hard time with the selfie with the dog filter, but I'm saying that is not a relationship, that is something, I don't know what it is, but it's actually not a relationship, okay? So cut down on the delf, uh, selfie with the dog filter. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Hongzhou, um, uh, visiting my youngest daughter, Lizzie. And, um, you know, Hongzhou is the home for Alibaba. And I just happened to be there on um, November 11th. You know, anybody know? No, no, singles Day, right? 1-1-1-1, one, 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 right? I don't know. Who made this thing up, okay? Singles Day, biggest shopping day in China. And we were there on Saturday morning, and we drove out to look at some sites. And there was no traffic on the road. 
And, and, and the tour guide said, the reason there's no traffic on the road is everybody was up all night from midnight to 4 a.m. trying to get the best bargains. So everybody's sleeping in this morning, right? So, and, and, and there was this sense of pride. By the end of that day, you know, China had bought $25 billion worth of stuff. I don't know, stocked up on toilet paper for three years or something. $25 billion, right? Which is like twice Black Friday, Cyber Monday, whatever it is. Uh, but the fact is there was a national pride in how much we have spent on buying stuff that we don't need, okay? It, it was like trying to win the World Cup when, when, when it crossed the $25 billion mark. So th- there's something going on there, and we're spending, a, you know, Taobao and, and, and Amazon was meant to save us time, but we're actually spending a lot of time, I don't know about you, you know, I, I get spending a lot of time going on these online shops, buying stuff that you don't need, <laughs> Okay, you're not actually, if you're honest with yourself, not really saving us a lot of time. So, and here's the dirty little secret, okay? I work in the technology industry. Tech companies are not interested at all in saving you time. They have zero interest, okay, of all saving you time. What they want is for you to spend more time on their platforms. It could be on their devices, on the social media platform. Why? The more time you spend there, the more value there is for advertisers who advertise to you for you to buy more stuff, which can be delivered from the SF tomorrow, right? So the fact here is technology, you know, we, 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 we say, well, technology is going to save so much time. Tech companies are not interested. Okay, and you say, wow, that's very evil, very um, conspiracy theory, okay, Give you a couple of examples. Snapchat. Who uses Snapchat? Okay, you don't have to be ashamed of it. I didn't say who uses Snapchat only using dog filters. Okay, um, Snapchat. Okay, Snapchat has latest, latest, not the latest. The big thing Snapchat is Snapstreak, right? For those of you who don't know what Snapstreak is, you know, it's basically you're Snapchatting a friend. And you need to Snapchat each other every day to keep that streak going. And people have one year, two year, really long streaks, hundreds of days, right? And, and you feel a lot of pressure on, I got to snap something to my friend, otherwise I'm going to break the streak, okay? That in marketing is called a compulsive loop, okay? Or hijacking technology. So what, 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 what is happening is technologies, are, um, te- tech companies are building systems into, to keep you on the system, okay? News feeds. If you look at how news feeds are read, you go into CNN, BBC, it doesn't matter, any, having, whatever, uh, the news stories actually go down in a spiral. It's a bottomless bowl, and it leads you to a next story, next story, next story, next story, okay? Because there's always a different color click-through to go to the next story, okay? And that's to keep you on the news site for longer, okay? Online gaming, if you're a gamer, there are incentives for you. Well, in fact, there are penalties. If you don't play every day, there are penalties. You drop down the league table and, and so forth, right? I mean, for those of you who spend a lot of time on, on the platform, you know this. And, and worse than, well, I wouldn't say worse. Most of all, 
Social media platforms are very, very smart, and they give irregular time rewards. Because then you have to check it, check your Facebook and check Instagram all the time to get this burst of social affirmation. What is social affirmation? Your likes, your followers, okay? Trust me, those likes don't appear immediately, okay? There's timing involved. So social affirmation is, is a dangerous thing. And, 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 and most of you know, you know, you can actually go on certain sites to buy likes, which is, you know, kind of weird. But anyway, you, you, you can buy likes, so, you, you, so suddenly your post has got more likes than actually there was, uh, uh, people who liked it. Um, but what social affirmation is leading to, you know, a month ago, I had, to, I had to do a little study on a subject I have no knowledge of, and that's cosmetics, because I was, I was talking to a client who makes cosmetics, and I was trying to talk to him about technology, so I thought I'd better learn about cosmetics, otherwise I'm going to look like, you know, a right Philistine uh, in the cosmetic industry. Um, so, so, I, so I studied the cosmetic industry for a, little, for, for a few days, and one thing I found was cosmetic industry has been going through a boom in the last five years, exponential boom, selling more than ever, okay? And the boom was driven by this one concept, social beauty, okay? And what is social beauty? You can probably guess, right? It's look good on your selfies on your Instagram or on your whatever you're posting you're doing, Okay, social beauty is driving a boom in the cosmetic industry, especially with foundation and lipstick and eyeliner, less so with nail products, because I figured if you can see nail products in your selfie, that means your fingers actually covering the camera. Uh, so this, just, just around the face, okay? That, that's the boom. Do not, this is not booming. Um, so, but on top of that, I also found out about this app, Me Too, um, now, there's a lot of people in denial out there saying, oh, I don't know what Me Too is. I never used it before in my life. Uh, it's the number one um, selfie filter app in China, okay? I see some nodding heads. So you take a picture. You don't have to do your makeup, okay? You take a picture, and then you put in these filters, and basically by the time you post it, you can't even recognize yourself. You look so good, right? The problem, th th and, and by the way, this is not like, 50,000 downloads. There's over a billion downloads of Me Too, okay? It's a multi-billion dollar company. I say a billion downloads. That's a lot of downloads, okay, uh, of the app. So, you know, if I confiscate everybody's smartphone right now and see who has the Me Too app, you know, there will be a good bunch of people here with the Me Too app, okay? Uh, I, I'm just saying, so one of the problems is we are blurring the line between reality and and, and, and what is fake? And we've got a lot of pressure. We as a society have put a lot of pressure on people and put on, on ourselves, on this social affirmation and this social beauty. Um, so technology ain't the solve for our razzled, out-of-control life, okay? And last and certainly not least, a um, lot, of, lot of news articles uh, out, and Economist Front Cover two weeks ago said, the, social, uh, uh, the, the, the quote was, social media's threat to democracy. And basically, it was the story about Facebook and, and, and Russian fake news and dissemination of that. So we live in a more complex society with this technology. We have a lot more new pressure that the Ephesians didn't have. But, you know, but, but also, the problem 
the solution is still the same. Paul's advice to the Ephesians works for us today. What Paul is saying is, only if you have the Spirit active in your life that you're going to see more of reality and you're going to have more control in your life, okay? The recognition that actually 2,000 years ago on a hill in Calvary that Christ died on the cross for us have given us that victory, frees us from that social affirmation-seeking tendency, frees us from that social beauty-seeking tendency. We won't, we won't feel so enslaved by that. So, you know, does that mean that the challenges that we face before us are all, you know, not real? No, it doesn't. You know, we all face real challenges in our lives. But what having a spirit-filled life means is that we will not be crushed by those challenges, okay? We will see a reality that is deeper and that is more um, real. Now, I'll give you an example. In the Old Testament, do you remember that there's a story of Elisha? Elisha was in a place called Dothran, and he was there with his uh, servant. And the king of Syria wanted to kill Elisha. So what he did, he sent an army with chariots and soldiers. And, and in the morning, the Elisha and the servant woke up, and he looks over the wall, and he sees, oh, we're surrounded by thousands of Syrian soldiers, okay, with their chariots. And, and, and the servant runs down and says, Elisha, we're in trouble. We are, we are dead. The, the Syrian king has sent an army, and, and, and we're going to capture and we're going to get killed. And uh, Elisha said, let's get drunk. No, he didn't. Of course he didn't get to say that. He said, the contrast, he said, he said, let us pray. And what did Elisha pray about? Elisha prayed that God will open the servant's eyes. Okay, God, Elisha didn't say, send down lightning bolt and destroy the Syrian army. He said, God will open the servant's eyes. And when the servant went back up on the wall, all the Syrian army was still there, if you remember. But what he saw behind them were the chariots of fire. Okay, so, you know, so I'm not saying by having a spirit-filled life that, you know, all your problems are going to go away. But what you will have is a perspective that you can see more of reality. You get able to see past the, the, the problems that is right in front of you. You know, one of the, one of the challenges we have, um, um, you know, we, we live in a spiritual battle, okay, in, in, in Ephesians. We're told our battle is not just in flesh and blood, but our battle is in the cosmic realms. And one of the things the enemy wants us and want all of us to be focused on is the problems in our lives. And he wants those problems to amplify. And, you know, we're all pessimists when, when it comes to problems. We think, oh, this is just going to turn into this, this is going to turn into this. You know, my kid did not get into that playgroup, therefore... He is not going to get into that kindergarten. Therefore, he's not going to get into that primary school and that high school and that university, and he's going to sleep under a bridge. It's a big leap, you know. But you know what? We all do this because when we see a problem in our life, we focus on that, and the enemy wants us to be overwhelmed by that problem, okay? And what the Holy Spirit does, it, it clarifies that for you, and it says, 
look at this in the perspective of what Christ has already done for us. You have the victory. You don't need to be crushed by this problem, okay? So that's, I think, you know, the essence of that clarity of what the Holy Spirit can give us. The other thing within that verse in, in, in Ephesians 5 is it talks about what are some of the other signs of being a Spirit-filled life. And, you know, this, this I really like. Firstly, it clearly talks about, it, um, maybe go back up one slide to, to the previous slide. It, it clearly talks about addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, okay? Not all of us can hold a tune. I can't hold a tune. I'm, I'm terrible music-wise. But when you're spirit-filled, you want to sing praise to God. Not in tune, always, but the fact that you want to be able to praise God. Why? Music and songs is, allows us to express things that are in our heart that prose and words cannot. Okay? There's something magic that happens when we sing, even out of tune, okay? that we can express a praise and a gratitude that words, when you're just reading and writing, doesn't happen. Okay, so that's, that's one. Second thing of, of signs of a spirit-filled life is somebody, you can see it back here, giving thanks always. Somebody who lives a life of gratitude. Okay, we, we've all known, what's the opposite of gratitude? Complaining and C.S. Lewis used the word grumbling. That's probably a more old English word, but complaining, right? Things are never right. It's always somebody else's fault. This is no good. You know, so and so doesn't. My, my boss doesn't understand my, my talents and my desires and, and how great I'm going to make this company. And he keeps on asking me to do these things where I should be doing strategy. You know, that's, you know, the fact here is grumbling is a sign that you don't have spiritual life. C.S. Lewis wrote about this in, um, in, in his book, The Great Divorce, and he said, in it, he said, in all of us, he said, hell begins with, with a grumbling mood, always complaining and always blaming others. If you, and, and what he's saying is, if you don't deal with it soon, you have nothing but a grumble. Okay? And, and, and finally he said, but in each of us, there's something growing which will be how unless we nip it in the bud. That sense of grumbling, that sense of ingratitude to God is growing in all of us. We always want to look around and see, hey, you know what, so-and-so doesn't really understand and, and you know, so-and-so is not, not, not really recognizing uh, me. But the fact is, <coughs> if you're spirit-filled, you don't need that. Maybe the opposite of of, of, of uh, gratitude is neediness. You know, we, we all know people that are super needy, okay? I call them emotional vampires, okay? And, and you, you can have a coffee with them, next minute it turns into four hours of why life is not good for me and why it's not my fault. Um, and it, it's draining. That's why it's an emotional vampire, right? So, um, so but the fact here is, if you're spirit-filled, you're not going to be an emotional vampire, Okay? If you want to break out of your emotional vampireness, spirit filled is, 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 is the answer. We've also known people that are always full of joy, despite their circumstances, right? Um, they, they have this sense of optimism about them. They're poised. That, you know, uh, it's probably not a word we use a lot nowadays. Uh, they're poised and they're in control. 
And when bad things happen in their life, they have emotional ballast. You know what a ballast is? It's things that in a boat that keeps you afloat, right? So they have this emotional ballast that they can stay afloat in stormy situations, okay? So don't we all want that? Don't we all want kind of poise and emotional ballast and, and a joy that is absent from, that you're independent, I mean, from, from our circumstances? So the last and certainly key piece is how do we get to be spirit-filled, okay? So here's the application. How do we... And we're told there are three things we've got to do, okay, uh, the, uh, as I search the Scripture. One is a to-do, and two is things to watch out for. The first thing is Romans 8.13 said, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the Spirit... Uh, but by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. What this is saying is put to death sin. That sounds like a seriously difficult task. What does put to death sin in our lives mean? Okay? Now I'm going to give you a step-by-step. It's actually, uh, it's not one big thing. It's a journey and it's a constant small things that we do. Okay? So put to death is more than repentance. It's more than just asking for forgiveness. So normally, you know, we do something, we know sin, we come to God and say, God, we're really sorry, we shouldn't have done that. Um, I'm facing the consequence now, but you know what? I'm asking for forgiveness, and we are assured of forgiveness because of what Christ has done on the cross for us. And then we move on, and then we sin again, and then we go into repentance stage two, right? And we move on. What put to death means here, and, and the King James Version used an old word called mortification, but put to death is being proactive in dealing with our sins. How do we proactively deal with our sins? Okay. Firstly, the first thing you have to do is, ident- I, I highly recommend a journal. I highly recommend you get a book, a notebook, and write this down. Something happens magically. When you write something down, it becomes much more real, and you process it in a different way, okay? Don't even use notes in your iPhone or your Samsung and type it. Get a piece of paper and write this thing down. Identify the sin that you're trying to deal with. Not all the sins in your life, okay? Just, just pick one. I'm angry with so-and-so. So-and-so said something, and I feel slighted. Or I'm angry with so-and-so for not replying to my WhatsApp messages within the designated, you know, three-minute period, okay? Or something like that. Whatever is, 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 is the sin you're trying to deal with, write that down, okay, you're struggling with. Second thing is, try to answer, what is the motivation? Why do I feel angry? What is the motivation behind that, okay? A lot of time that could be pride, it could be other things. Write that down. And then answer the question, why would Christ be saddened? Why would Christ be saddened by me being stuck in this sin? Also journal this. Write this down. So, you know, start off with identify the sin. What's the motivation behind it? Why would Christ be saddened by it? Okay? And then, why doesn't Christ want me to be stuck in this cycle of sin? You know? And then, why is it bad for me? Simple. Why is this sin bad for me? You say, well... It's not. You know, I quite enjoy it at the moment. But for the long and for the medium and longer term, why will this sin have an impact on me 
and those around me. Okay, so it's a simple, just, a, just five points. But write this down. This is the process of putting to death sin. And then search and read the Scripture and look at the Bible, and the answers of all those questions are in the Bible. And you can search and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and reveal to you, why is Christ saddened by this sin? Who am I impacting around me with this sin? Apart from myself, you're certainly impacting yourself, okay? And then journal that. I would just say, take time. And this is not a one-off, I'm going to get it done, and then boom, I'm, I'm done. This is a daily process. What we are told in the Scripture is put to death sin in our lives daily, okay? So take time and just do it. Maybe you can't do it every day. Maybe you just do it twice a week. Schedule twice a week, just five minutes in your, in, in your journal. Just to look at what are the sins this last week that has been bothering me and how can I get ahead of it? How can I deal with it before it overwhelms me, okay? Now, because I think the key th- thing here is understanding how that sin grieves God, okay? What does that mean? Make saddens God, okay? So, I'm going to, one thing we do, two things we've got to watch out for. The key of overcoming sin is understanding how that sin grieves the one who died on the cross for us, okay? So, there are some parents out here, okay? If you're not a parent, you have parents, okay? So, I'm just going to use a parenting example, okay? Maybe you are the the cause of this parenting dilemma. Uh, But here, if you're a parent, you've spent time in sacrificing and nurturing uh, your child with a hope of this child achieve his or her potential, and this child have joy in their life and, and so forth, right? Now, you may not have experienced this, but if you have a three-year-old, you probably have um, uh, uh, from now on. At some point, the child, whatever advice you give them, they're just going to do the opposite, okay? Not only will they do the opposite, they will stop at a moment, turn around, and look at you and, said, and say, Dad, the reason you don't want me to stay out to three in the morning is you just do not want me to be happy. I'm five years old. Come on. Okay? You just don't want me to be happy. You want me to live a miserable life. My sister's two. I can understand for her. She should not be out to three. But I am five. Okay? You just... Maybe you haven't heard that. Maybe you've said that. Okay? Now, take that. It's an imperfect example. It's an imperfect... Because, you know, parents are flawed. Human parents are flawed. And, and we have you know, flawed motives, and we don't have full knowledge. But when God wants us to do something, gives us advice to do something, and we turn around and say, God, I'm not going to do that because you just don't want me to be happy. Okay? And we do that every day. The sad thing is we do that every day. And not only did they, you know, give up a little something for us, God gave up His Son, paid that price, and we turn around and we lift our nose, and we wave our finger at him, and say, you don't want me to do this thing. It's cramping my lifestyle. You just don't love me, and you don't want me to be happy. And that's what we do every day. And you've got to take that and put it on top of when you're trying to put to death the sin. 
and think through it in that context, and it will give you a whole new perspective of the sin. We, we all know the sin is wrong. We all know it's not good for us. So it's not from a lack of knowledge. It's like, you know, we've known that, and we haven't been able to stop, right? It hasn't really helped us. It's not the lack of knowledge. It's actually the thing, the most powerful thing that's going to help us overcome sin is actually understanding how it, will, it grieves us, okay? So I'm just going to kind of wrap up soon here. The last thing is in First Thessalonians 5.19, it says, do not quench the Spirit. What does quench the Spirit mean, okay? Last week, I think, uh, Vijay shared in here to talk about uh, uh, prophecy. Uh, one of the things we, we, we talked about is the Holy Spirit speaks into our lives. If you look at that third song, in the waiting, the Spirit is speaking to us in our waiting. Okay, the Spirit speaks to us through personal revelations. It could be through Scripture, it could be through prayer, it could be in times of worship, okay? At that time, when the Spirit speaks to you and asks you to join Him in something, you have a choice. You have a choice to either say, yes, you know what, I'm going to step out, I'm going to do it, or... Most of the time, we're saying, you know what, I'm kind of busy this week. Maybe I'll get back to it next week, okay? So, by saying we're busy this week, I'll get back to it next week, that's quenching the Spirit, okay? So, I'm not talking about sin now. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit is calling you and want to hang out, okay? Want to hang out with you. And you're saying, you know what, I'm kind of busy, take a rain check, lots of nice excuses, dog ate my homework, you know, and, I'm, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't. And after a while, you know, after those 27,000 WhatsApp messages to say, hey, let's go and hang out, get a coffee, uh, and spend some time with me, you're going to stop hearing those. It's not because God stopped sending them, it's you will not notice those anymore, okay? So God continue to call out to us, but we continue, when we ignore Him and we say, you know, I'm too busy, it's going to be hard for us to keep hearing that, okay? In, in Luke 4.18, we talked about the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, we have been anoint- because He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor and sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and, and recover sights to the blind. Now, that is God calling us. God is calling us to join Him in His work. He doesn't need us, by the way. I mean, just, just in case you think, well, you know, God really needs me to go and save the world. He, he doesn't, okay? He can do it without you. He's sending an invitation to say, hey, do you want to come and join me and hang out? And while we maybe do this thing together, you'll get to know me a little better, okay? That is what is happening, okay? So we've heard, a, basically what he's saying is, I want, you know, I want to check up on so-and-so. I want to, like, you know, so-and-so has been off your radar. I want to check up on so-and-so, and I want you to be my instrument to do that. I want to share the gospel with this person, and I want you to be my voice. I want to lift this person out, up out of the this, this, this situation that they're in, and I want us to do it together. That's when the Spirit is calling you. We've heard some things this morning with sons and daughters, you know, going, going, going to the dinner as well as donating. Next week, we have um, uh, the walkathon with Ebenezer. 
God is calling us to join Him in these things, okay? You don't have to join every one, but if you're hearing God asking you to join and you are ignoring that and saying, I'm busy, you're quenching the Spirit. I mean, I don't know any other way to put it. That's, that is what, what, what's happening, okay? So He wants to hang out with you, and He wants to hang out in these activities with you, and He is keep on calling you, okay? We're not calling Him. He is calling us. So, in summary, the answers to the problems we have in 2007 is not going to come from AI. It ain't going to come from blockchain. And it ain't going to come from your next killer iPhone. Okay? If you want to have better control of your life, if you want to have a better discernment on what is real and what's fake, and you want to have joy that transcends all the circumstances and difficult circumstances in your life, then invite the Spirit into your life. Okay? Take time and start on this journey of putting to death our sins. One at a time, slowly, and it's going to be up and down, rocky journey. But start doing that. Focus on, be careful not to grieve the Spirit. Understand how by sinning we're grieving God. And focus when, and, and, and respond when God is calling you and saying, hey, let's go and hang out. Step out in faith. Maybe, maybe so. I've, I've, never been, I've never been to that place before. You know, I'm not sure I'm going to be really good at hanging out at that place. God is just saying, just come out. You'll be surprised. Okay? And just come and hang out with me. So, with that, I just want to kind of close it off with, with, with a prayer for us and, um, and, and ask the Spirit to come into our lives. Let us bow our heads. Lord, we just want to give you thanks. We give you thanks that you've brought us here today. You've given us a spirit at the highest cost that is possible. Lord, that you have um, put your son on that cross so that we may receive the spirit. And that spirit is here to guide us through the journey of life in this world. And Lord, that there's so many things that you have installed for us, but yet we fill our day with so many things that are not good for us. Lord, help us discern what is, what is intended for you, or what you intend for our day, and let us put aside those things that we may be striving for, that we may think will make us happy, but ultimately they will come out empty. We just ask you that uh, we can step out in faith when you come calling, when you're messaging us, that we can take our faith and just walk in one step out to say, you know what, I'm going to spend a little bit of time with you and serving the needs around us. Lord, we just want to lift this up to you in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.